We've got the Rangers, we've got the Red Wings, we've got a heavyweight Eastern Conference matchup, and we've got a very special crossover edition between Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Detroit Red Wings. All right, welcome back, Rangers fans, Red Wing fans, general hockey fans, to a very special crossover edition of Locked on New York Rangers. This is John Chick with Locked on New York Rangers, joined by my good friends, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley of Locked on Detroit Red Wings. Uh, fellas, we were talking off air just a second ago. You know, both teams off to a nice start. We'll get to that in just a second, but I should mention today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's a... 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. And so, yeah, really a strong start to the season for both the Rangers and the Red Wings, and a very highly anticipated matchup between the two teams here. And uh, it's crazy, guys. You know, the, the Red Wings, seeing where they were just a few years ago, where they were you know, basically a historically bad team. I, I don't believe that was even five years ago. And then slowly but surely, kind of putting the pieces back together, acquiring all these draft picks and I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, they're looking like they could be a contender again. So first and foremost, I mean, what's it been like watching them go from that transformation to being just just really bad to, wow, this team could actually like do some damage this year? Uh, slow and painful for the most part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the 2020 year from here, every year has been incrementally better. Uh, they acquire new players to make the roster a little bit better year in and year out. Um, but, you know, year in and year out, it was still kind of painful seasons. This is really... I guess you could say last year you finally started to see a little bit the fruits of that labor uh, really start to come out. Obviously, Cider run the Calder two years ago, but you got another year under their belt last year. And now this year with the extra additions they made, the Lev, what was Scotty, we've talked about it, like 11 whole additions they've made. Obviously, 11 free agents, not even including Debrinket. Yeah. yeah, and then they traded for Debrinket and Jeff Petrie. So almost an entirely new roster in the second year of Derek Lalonde. So there were... I mean, it's been really nice this year off to the hot start. A little bit of a cold stretch in the mix there as well. But, you know, this team finally for once looks like it can be a competitive team and not just a competitive team every now and again, but a competitive team night in and night out. And it's it's been a really nice change of pace from where we've been the last few years. Yeah, the uh, the, the fall was was definitely very, very hard for a lot of people. Obviously, the the like unparalleled success the organization had, you know, leading up to like the start of the rebuild, uh, was was definitely uh, <laughs> was a heck of a change of pace for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, like slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. Not that it's taken a long time, right? I mean, it, that was what four seasons ago was the the really really bad year. So it's it's not that it's taken you know much longer than people expected either, but uh, it's one of those things where like Eiserman has made very clear he's not just trying to make the NHL level better; he's trying to make the entire organization better. And so there's there is hasn't been any like jumping the gun on like a a big trade to trade a prospect away at least. Like obviously the Debrinket trade happened, but even that was you know kind of less than I think what people expected his market to be and. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's been a really really fun season, obviously, and I think people are are like cautiously optimistic. I think is how I would describe the fan base right now. I don't think anybody's like gung ho, like 
oh yeah, like the you know the wings are are gonna like steamroll their way into the postseason, but people are like, oh, like we might be <laughs> we might be back again. <laughs> We're so back? Question mark. <laughs> right. Are we back? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, it was kind of the same deal with the Rangers two years ago. You know, they got off to that really nice start, and we're kind of wondering like. Is this sustainable? Like, can Igor really save our bacon every single night? Because that's kind of how they were winning games two years ago. But obviously, you know, really good year two years ago. Good year last year, minus the early playoff exit. And uh, I think at this point, there's there's more confidence in this Ranger team. But I want to ask you guys as well about um, the most recent Red Wings game. Obviously, a huge win, down 2 nothing against the Bruins. And they're off to a fantastic start again. Uh, tie it, go down 3-2, you tie it again. Get up 5-3, you hang on for the 5-4 win. Um, statement victory there for the Red Wings, was it not? I mean, what was it like to see uh, them come back and, and win that game? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would call it a statement victory. I think that was the name of our episode. Yeah, yeah. statement victory for for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, man. It, uh, it, it we talked about it a lot on the episode yesterday, but um, this was a a game in which for a while now, like Brian and I have been talking about how like oh like this team's winning games and they've gotten off to a good start but a lot of that is due to just like an ungodly success from the power play so far early on in the season and especially the first like five or six games of the year and then you know once the power play stopped producing like they had been getting outplayed at even strength and at five on five for a uh, majority of the season up to that point and and like they straight up like went toe-to-toe with the Bruins despite being you know down two goals at one point in the game and were able to, to claw their way back and win and, and and probably did outplay the Bruins at five on five. And so uh, I think that it, it was more than just like the win. It was how they won that I think was the biggest statement in that game, to be honest. Well, and also to add on to that, the, the ability the team showed to adjust. I mean, as Scotty stated, the team saw a lot of success. They had a five-game winning streak based solely on, uh, as he put, <laughs> and got uh, unsustainably high power play and unsustainably high shooting percentage as well while getting dominated at five on five almost every single game. Once the teams figured that out, they went into a dry spell, lost three in a row, won one in overtime, then lost another one. So they went, you know, one and four in that stretch where their only one win was an overtime win. And so they went into the Bruins with a lot to prove and they made powerful adjustments to every line outside the top line. And then on the power play as well, replacing Moritz Sider on the first power play unit with Lucas Raymond, shifting Shane Gosses to the point rather than have him on the half wall and Lucas Raymond got rewarded with a power play goal and Jake Wallman on power play unit two with an assist from Moritz Sider who got bumped to power play unit two uh, got a one-timer goal. And that, that those were the two goals that tied that game back up in the, in the second period for the Detroit Red Wings. So yeah, I just echo Scotty sentiments. It was a statement win and it proved a lot uh, for Red Wings fans, because it was also their most complete game of the season. They w- didn't just like show up on the power play at five on five. If you look at the metrics, they had the edge in Corsi, Fenwick, expected goals for whatever you want to call it for the entirety of the game. Yeah, no, for sure. It's certainly a promising start for the Red Wings and things looking up for both of these teams. I'm wondering, what do you think is like the biggest surprise for the Red Wings uh, so far this season? Good or bad? I would imagine probably good because they are off to a, a really nice start here. But any individual player or any storyline that's kind of brewing right now that, that surprised you in a good way? Oh, it's such a good question. Uh, so I don't know if you can count Alex to start 
as a surprise or Dylan Larkin start as a surprise? I mean, these are two guys that you hoped when you acquired to bring it, you'd put them on the first line and they would start clicking together. And they have obviously Larkin out to the fastest start he's ever had to a season, 17 points in 12 games, five goals, 12 assists. Bulk of those assists come from feeding the puck to Alex to bring who's got 14 points in 12 games. He's got a little bit of a dry spell the last four games, I believe, in terms of goals, hitting a lot of posts, getting a lot of opportunities, still still in the right spot. His metrics are still very good. He just has been a little bit snake bit in the last few games. Both those guys are off to hot starts. I would almost argue that for me personally, the the biggest surprise would be the power play, like we were just stating, because we didn't ex- we expected it to be better. I think they were like 17th in the league last year. We wanted them to be top 15. We didn't expect them to be, what, fourth is where they're at now, maybe sixth after these mm-hmm. last couple games. Um, but Joe Valeno has been such a revelation this season. He got kind of a a prove-it contract, one-year RFA contract that was not a lot of money because he had a pretty down year last year. And then he's come out this season, and he's been tearing it up. In fact, last game, he even got a promotion to the second line as a winger. Normally, he plays center, but they needed somebody to play winger. Um, and he looked not out of place. He played on every single line in that game. That And that says a lot. He played second, third, fourth, and even took a shift at center on the top line when Larkin had to go down the tunnel temporarily after he took a spill on the board. So Joe Valeno, in my eyes, is the storyline for me, but that's because I'm biased and I, I love my dogs. You know, I like my guys who aren't going to get a ton of media attention. So now that Brian just took three different things for his answer, <laughs> I'll take something left. Um, I, I think that, you know, going into the season, Brian and I had – uh, the goalie situation as the biggest question mark for this team. And while the the Wings haven't gotten like Bruins-level goaltending or like Rangers-level goaltending for that matter, um, level of production from Reimer and Huso, uh, they've been solid. And for a situation last year that was so brutal from like February to the end of the season, to get off to – this start not only in the win column, but to kind of rejuvenate the fan bases uh, again, like optimism, I, I guess, or confidence in Billy Huso and like Reimer has only played in what three or four games and, and pretty much all of them this year. He's been really solid. So I think that that's one for me where that, that was again, like Brian and I said, that was our biggest question mark going into the year right before opening night. And uh, it, it hasn't been an overwhelming success, but it hasn't been like a storyline either, which is like very much good enough for me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I actually have a question for you guys about uh, the goaltending situation there because, you know, it's, it's, there's kind of a little bit of a storyline brewing, or at least to me, it looks that way, kind of as an outsider looking in. And we'll definitely get to that in just a second. But first, want to let everybody know today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Detroit Red Wings is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And something that my friend does, he's a big New York Giants fan, he tends to have this strategy where he'll actually bet against the Giants because he tells me that way he either wins his bet or his favorite football team wins their game. You can the emotional hedge, me. baby. It's a genius <laughs> play. That's it. That's it. That's what you got to do. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, and so Brian, Scotty, and I would just like to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Detroit Red Wings your first listens every day. We are all free and available on all platforms. And uh, yeah, to keep everything rolling, guys, I mentioned just a second ago, I want to ask you uh, about the goalie situation there because uh, right now, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's kind of early, obviously, a little bit of uh, a small sample size. But, you know, I'm looking at the stats and Huso's played in eight games. He's got a goals against of 337. Uh, and then Reimer has played four games. He's got a goals against of 152. Small sample size. Reimer's quite a bit older than Huso as well. I believe Reimer's like 35-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what do you guys think? Is there any kind of a goalie controversy there? Or do they just go hot hand? Just, just any thoughts on uh, how they uh, roll with their goalies going forward? Well, you know, I I think currently um, I I still think it's Huso's job to lose. Uh, I I do think that if the season goes along and the numbers are, I mean, that's like obviously unsustainably different, right? D- difference in in uh, goals against there, especially with Reimer. But um, I I do expect you know water to find its level with with Reimer a little bit. And yeah, going into the year, like the the coaching staff in the front office was just very confident, and this is going to be Huso's net, and anybody we bring in is going to be a backup. We also are carrying three goalies uh, and have all season, um, and uh, so I, I, there's a little bit of needed depth there. I, but I think for right now, like again, the the biggest storyline last year in net was Huso really hit a wall and just like collapsed in the second half of the season because he was playing every game like back to backs like literally every game because we didn't have a backup we like didn't have one right and and uh so i think just having like a solidified you know little bit more of a quote unquote workhorse and who's so he's going to play most nights in that and then if you can have Reimer play you know the that that 30 ish maybe even more 30 plus games this year of uh, of good hockey, then I, I think the Wings are gladly going to take that. Yeah, to add on to that, I mean, Vili Husso has been serviceable, and I he does have a penchant. The biggest, my biggest criticism of Vili Husso, and Scotty and I are like pretty staunch goalie defenders. That's been our big kind of shtick, um, is we try not to blame the goalies because, you know, there's five other players on the ice ahead of them, but Vili Husso has a penchant for giving up major softies at least once a game. And we had the most egregious one in that game against the Boston Bruins where he went to cover the puck and somehow just lost control of it. No, there was no pressure on him whatsoever. And Van, James Van Riemsdyk buried it and the Bruins got out to an early one nothing lead. Um, and things like that can kill you. They really can. But then he'll just, outside of that one softie, be lights out for the rest of the game. So, I mean, you look at a save percentage and it's like eight, eight, nine, six or something along those lines, sub 900 right now. You take, you take one of those softies away every game and he's a fantastic goalie, but it's just that one softie tends to kill him. And especially when you play on a team that defensively is better, but still not that great, you know, you can't, you got to be locked down uh, in the net. And he does have a goal saved above expected 3.29. So he's still making more saves than is expected of a goalie facing as many shots and high, high danger chances on any given night than he normally does. But that one soft the night can kill you. But even with that being said, James Reimer, given his age, I don't think is capable of really taking on that starter role. I think a rough year last probably. Year. Yeah, he had a rough year last year with the San Jose Sharks. I think that had the more more to do with the San Jose Sharks than it did sure. with James Reimer. Uh, but <laughs> that isn't I, clear. I just think that James Reimer is in a perfect role right now as a backup, and that they if they try to overextend him, you're going to see that save percentage start to crumble very fast. 
It's interesting to hear you guys say that with Reimer because, honestly, it reminds me very much of what's going on with the Rangers right now. Jonathan Quick, obviously, the new backup goalie uh, for this season. And uh, pretty much probably since the first time this guy ever put on goalie pads, he's not used to being the backup. Um, But at this point in his career, you know, he is 38 years old, and we've seen him play very well so far. He came in in relief in one game, stopped all nine shots, uh, had a shutout. His first three appearances combined, I, I believe it was like 57 saves on 58 shots, something along those lines. And even in this most recent game against Minnesota, yeah, he gave up four goals and they lost in the shootout. But, man, he made some really nice saves. So um, I, I, I think it's kind of a similar situation with Reimer as you have with Quick here where, you know, they, they probably can't do it as like the workhorse anymore. But as a backup, you know, maybe they can still get it done. I, I know a lot of Ranger fans were concerned about Quick in the preseason. Um, but he's turned back the clock at least so far this season. And uh, with Igor dealing with a, a minor injury, what's believed to be a minor injury, it looks like you guys might be facing quick uh, for this game. So um, who's going to be in that for, for you guys? Do you, do you have any inkling there? I would imagine who so. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess he, he did just play um, the last game. But the, they've usually the Rhymer spacing has been like a once a week thing, and it's usually like our weakest opponent. Um I don't know. I, I, I would lean Huso just like by default because he has been like the workhorse. Um, but uh, but I will probably see a report on that either later today or be like before the game tomorrow. I agree with Scotty too. Um, probably going to be Huso uh, because you have Mont- they have played Montreal and Columbus next uh, Thursday and Saturday respectively. The only reason the only reasoning I could maybe see for putting Reimer in net is this is a road game and you put Huso in net for the two home games this weekend, Thursday and Saturday. Reimer's already played Columbus once this year though and did well. So yeah, so you, that's a great point by Scotty. That's probably a spot we're going to see. It's been pretty much. You see Huso for three or four games in a row, and then you get a Reimer start, and then Alex Lyon just rides the pine for <laughs> the poor guy. He can't. Lyon has dressed once, and he was a backup this they, season. They want to literally him. dressed one time, and and yeah, he he didn't see any ice time. So. I, I saw him on Cap Friendly, but then I went to the Red Wings stat page, and he has no stats. His name isn't right. even there because he hasn't yeah. been in a game yet. So that's hopefully, because, hopefully he gets into one sooner or later. You know, that's because the Tampa Bay Lightning don't have a goalie right now. And so the Red Wings don't want to put Lyon on waivers to send him down to the AHL and risk losing him to the, to, to a division rival that, that you might be onto something there. Yeah. That, that there could be some truth to that. Um, I got to ask you about Lucas Raymond, you know, something that's always going to come up with Rangers and Red Wings, I think is the Lafreniere versus uh, Lucas Raymond. I even threw it into the graphic there. So, I mean, it's crazy because that year, that was the year coming off of that really bad season that we talked about. And everybody's thinking like, well, they'll at least, you know, get probably the first pick. And they end up picking fourth, which I think was as far down as they could go. Yeah. And it was but believed to be the twin player draft. That was the Laffey, Stutzla, and um Byfield. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It went it went Laffey, Byfield, right, Stutzla, Kings, yeah. and then uh Raymond. But it's kind of working out in your favor because I mean Raymond's done more. He's put up more points certainly than Lafreniere and Byfield. I mean, Stutzla's off to a nice start there, but yeah, player how about lucas raymond man 10 points in 12 games to start the season here uh what's the ceiling for this guy and then um yeah i mean you know with with any player there's certainly portions of the fan base that i i think wish the production was a little bit higher for raymond but brian and i have been pretty big uh defenders of his so far and and like his career has has just been uh it's it's been it's been a little bit up and down i guess you know he he had a really solid rookie year finished i i believe fourth for the calder um, at, at one point in the season was higher on that list even. And then year two, he 
sophomore slump was thrown around a boatload right after year two and and a lot of people were questioning like if he was ever gonna get big enough to like not get knocked off the puck and he was gonna have the size to be able to play uh in in like consistent top six nhl minutes even at one point and uh he's been playing on this team's top line since like the first week of his nhl career pretty much so uh, he went in the offseason, and the big storyline was he gained a bunch of weight, and it was all muscle, and everybody was super excited for the season, you know, best shape of his life type of thing. And, uh, yeah, this series has been good, man. It, he uh, the, the goal scoring, you know, he hasn't been like an elite top-end level goal scorer this year, but he's been the best fit by far of anybody they've put on that top line with uh, with the Brinkett and Larkin. I guess it's only like two people, I think. But still, like he uh, that that line has been really, really productive and Lucas Raymond's on it and getting points, whether they're secondaries or not. Um, and he looks a lot stronger and more confident skating, too. So, yeah, and I mean, are, are pretty excited, at least about this year. To add on to what Scotty was saying, too, like a lot, I think a lot of people are he was taken fourth overall and he's a winger. So people want him to score like 40 goals. And that's just not the type of player Lucas Raymond is. He's a pass first type of guy. So he might be like a 20, 40 guy, you know, 20 goals in which he scored 20 goals his rookie season, but 40 assists for 60 points. And I mean, that's kind of the perfect thing that this line needs. I mean, Alex to is a shooter. Dylan Larkin can do it both. He can pass and he can shoot. So adding just like a, a pass first guy to that line is like the perfect combination. And he's obviously, like Scotty was just saying, he's been rewarded so far with the primaries and secondaries he's been getting and the added strength that he has with the whatever report you want to believe, whether it's nine pounds or 12 pounds that he added, you can see it in that he's a lot harder to knock off the puck. He's getting into the corners. He's coming out of the corners with the puck. You know, he's off to a much better start. Just I don't think people should ever expect him to be the 40-goal guy people mistakenly think every guy taken in the top five should be if he's getting 60 points uh with the red wings on the top line this season which is what scotty and i are hoping he can accomplish that's a successful season regardless of how he gets those points i don't care if it's a goal a primary or a secondary he's been off to a definitely a pretty good start but and i know we got to get to a quick break here but lafreniere for what it's worth um at least i don't know what he's done these last few games, but I remember he got off to a kind of a hot start at the very beginning of the season. So maybe on the other side of this break, you can kind of break down how he's been performing lately. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And shall we go ahead and uh, let everybody know about uh, sleeper here? Absolutely. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Alex to could score 50 goals. Artemi Panarin could score a hundred points. The lockdown Red Wings fans locked on New York Rangers fans. Your team could hoist the Stanley Cup. Hopefully, it's the Red Wings. Uh, go Wings. And you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for Daily Fantasy Sports and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. And... All you have to do is pick whether studs like, I mean, I just said it, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, when he comes back help, healthy, hopefully, uh, Moritz Sider, Alex Brinkett, Dylan Larkin will rec record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Red Wings fans. 
and Rangers fans, you can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, so yeah, as for Alexi Lafreniere, I mean, yeah, got off to a really nice start this season, racked up four goals pretty quickly, uh, has, you know, slumped a little bit recently. Uh, something that I think that, you know, he's had to adjust to is playing on the right wing. Uh, the nice thing this year, and a lot of Ranger fans have been calling for this, Dragolant, for the two years that he was here, very seldom wanted to use Lafreniere, Katko, Hedl in the top six. They'd always get there for a little while, um, but just as soon as they were there, they were kind of bump back down to the third line. And then, you know, there, there's also some truth to the idea that sometimes young players are more comfortable playing with other young players. And I think at times, you know, the kid line, as it was called, uh, obviously did well for the Rangers. But to start this season, uh, they go with all three of those players in the top six. And you get a second line of Panarin, Hedl, and Lafreniere. And Lafreniere playing on his right wing, um, it's his off wing, which, you know, at first glance, you know, when he was first called up and people were floating that idea, I didn't really like it because you have somebody that's the top pick in the draft and has all this upside and all this potential. And it's like, do you really want to like mess with him by having him change lines like or change uh, sides of the ice rather? It was kind of like, let's make somebody else do that. But honestly, in, in watching Lafreniere play left wing and right wing over the past few years, I haven't noticed really any kind of a drop off from one side to the other. Uh, I think he does just fine with it. And you know, the point total isn't that high for Lafreniere right now, but I, I do think overall he's played well. Uh, there have been a couple of times where uh, he's got what I've called an unofficial assist, twice where he's been on the forecheck and basically forced somebody into a turnover, making them give the puck right to Artemi Panarin, which is something you do not want to do. And, uh, you know, in those cases, Panarin's been able to score. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Lafreniere so far, and I like the fact that he's gotten some run uh, in the top six and specifically with Artemi Panarin. I mean, Artemi Panarin can make guys like, you know, Jesper Foss, Colin Blackwell, Barkley Goodrow, he can make them relevant offensive players. And if he can do that, um, you got to figure he can do a, a lot of that and more when it comes to Alexi Lafreniere. So, yeah, you know, the points aren't there right now, but I'm being patient with Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, the one thing, you know, while we're talking about young players is uh, Capo Caco has been on the top line and has all of two points so far this season. And I saw on Twitter earlier today that they're going to basically flip-flop him and Blake Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler also off to a slow start with just the one point so far. And Pierre Laviolette even said this, and as soon as the, the move was made, I felt like it was definitely a good idea just because, I mean, at a certain point, just, just try something different, right? You know, there, there's nothing to lose at this point. Neither guy is exactly setting the world on fire. So uh, I'm all for that change, and hopefully uh, at least one of the two gets going, and hopefully as soon as this uh, matchup against your Red Wings here. Yeah, absolutely. And so I got a question for you, too, as well. I was, I was sifting through some metrics earlier today, and I noticed that the New York Rangers, they're – their Corsi 4 percentage, their Fenwick percentage, their expected goals 4 percentage, all that jazz is kind of in the 20s uh, for a lot of in a lot of different spots. Yet the team's out to what, an 8-2-1 start, something along those lines, which is an incredibly hot start. What, what has led to, and again, those metrics I was just setting is at 5-on-5, five five. what has led to the early success this team has, despite the fact that when it comes to shot attempts for versus shot attempts against, you're in the lower echelon of the league right now. It's, it's a little bit of everything, and I think one thing that Ranger fans kind of will get on the team for from time to time is 
they're not really the best 5v5 team in the league. For all the success they've had over the past couple of years, when you get to the playoffs, you look at 5v5, they're probably at or near the bottom of you know the 16 teams that get in. Um, but the flip side of that is they have been outstanding in special teams. I believe right now they're at number two in the league in power play success rate. I think they've played 11 games, and I want to say they have a power play goal in 10 out of the 11 games, at least one power play goal in all of those. Um, the penalty killing has been very good. Uh, Nick Bonino has been uh, really under the radar addition to the Rangers, but uh, he's been the best penalty killer thus far so far for the team. Um, so they've been really good there. They've also gotten very good goaltending. You know, Igor's Igor and Jonathan Quick is kind of over-delivered so far this season. And I think defensively, their defensive structure has been a lot better this season than we've seen in recent years. Uh, they recently had a five-game road trip, and in those five games, they gave up a grand total of just seven goals. So, yeah, I mean, it really is a little bit of everything. You know, they're getting contributions, you know, up and down the lineup. I, I don't think there are too many players that you can look at and say, man, this guy's given us less than we were expecting. I would say probably you could say that about Kako. Probably say that about Blake Wheeler. Besides that, I think everybody's kind of at or better than what you were expecting coming into the season. So kind of just a case where it's the sum of all parts and the Corsi may not be great, but they're doing enough other things well that, you know, they're, they're off to the start that they're off to here. Yeah, it's a really good, uh, it's gonna be a really good special teams battle too when you look at it, yeah. because like you said, the Rangers are currently second in the league in power play. The Red Wings are sixth with a 28% completion percentage. And then at penalty kill, I believe the two teams are like neck and neck as well. Red Wings coming at 12th on the penalty kill and the Rangers are 10th. So yeah. just two spots separating them in like both categories. I'm really interested to see, uh, I mean, it really feels like it might come down to a five on five battle. If that's the case, if both teams, special teams are so good on uh, which team comes out on top, especially if Shesterkin's injured. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I got to ask you guys, you know, before we wrap up here and, and call it a day at some point, uh, Alex Dabrinka. So obviously kind of the guy that, you know, everybody that was going to be available in a trade this off season, he was kind of the guy. And I, I feel like it was rumored for a while that he was going to be heading to Detroit, but what was that like kind of following that every day? And then he it finally is, it's a done deal. He's coming to Detroit and now off to a fantastic start with the team. Uh, I have his stats written down here somewhere, nine goals and five assists in his first 12 games. So couldn't, couldn't have started a whole lot better. Am I right? No, he, he, he could not have started a whole lot better. And uh, yes, the, what Brian month leading up to the trade was so exhausting by the end of it. Cause it, it was, was just Every day it was, oh, it's going to be this week or it's going to be today or it's going to be tomorrow. And it was just constant and constant. And then it got to the point where like then when it actually was like, hey, this is happening. We were like, oh, my goodness. I don't even know if I can believe this. Like, right. I don't even want to like go down this like rabbit hole again. But uh, it finally happened. The, the Wings, uh, pretty much all of, you know, Wings fans and alike have uh, we're, we're really, really pleased with what we gave up for them. Um, yeah, man, I, it's been it's been awesome. I, I think the biggest reason for the whole drama leading up to it too was just like the homecoming aspect of it, and that's certainly been marketed a lot here and and nationally as he's gotten off to such a good start. But yeah, man, it's um it, it's one of those things where it, not only is it just like oh he's a really good player and he he's from here. Uh, but on top of that, it, it was this team's biggest need after last season, right? Mm -hmm. And that has been kind of the, the – it's been the perfect, like, culmination of, like, hype. But because not only do you have, like, the easily marketable stuff that comes with him, but, uh, like, a, a top-end goal score was pretty comfortably, I, I think, the biggest thing that the Wings needed after last season, and they got it, and he's produced that. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome. Not only uh, on the power play, which like he's always been a threat to score on the power play, but 
He's been a real offensive threat and scoring goals at five on five as well early on, which has been a, a huge plus. So yeah, everybody's obviously thrilled. And, and you're right. He, he could not have gotten off to much of a better start than he has. The Red Wings haven't had a 40 goal score since Marion Hossa in 2009. So uh, getting a shooter who can put the puck in the back of the net was like Scotty said, definitively the team's biggest need. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I figure uh want to go ahead and throw out predictions for tonight, you know, a final score, uh, anybody to, um, you know, light, light the, light the score sheet or something like that along those lines, any kind of uh, predictions you guys want to toss out there? Well, is it a cop out to say that this Debrinket's going to put up, show up on the score sheet? Has been a little bit of he's been in a dry spell the last few games, like I was saying earlier, hitting some posts, getting a lot of opportunities, but just not burying the puck. And I think he finally breaks through in this one. I'll um, man. Sorry, I took the easy one, Scotty. No, that's chill. <laughs> I'm gonna take. Uh, give me Daniel Sprong. <laughs> You love taking Daniel Sprong. <laughs> Give me Daniel Sprong filling up the back of the net at some point this game. Uh, I'll take the wings pretty much only because of the uh, the goaltending situation. But these look like two pretty similar teams, man. Like These are two teams that uh, want to improve five-on-five five, but have been really good on special teams and – uh, have uh, and it's it's going to be a really fun game. I hope um, I'm I'm pretty excited to watch it. Just as like a hockey fan, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, even oh, oh good. All you. I was just going to say I allow my Red Wings bias to flow th uh, freely flow here. I'm going to go with Scotty with the Red Wings. Um, I think that big win against the Bruins is going to help them get that ball rolling, get some momentum built. Uh, I agree. I do think that overall, even without Adam Fox. Uh, because he's out for what four weeks, something along those lines with his injury. Two to four weeks, yeah. But they put him on LTIR, so he can't return until like November 29th, I think is the date, somewhere yeah. around there. I so. think talent wise, the Rangers are definitely a better team. I won't deny that. I mean, it's clear they've made the playoffs and been the top of the division the last few years. But I mean, momentum's a big deal. And like Scotty says, statistically, these two teams are very close. If the Red Wings can play a very similar game, like, uh, at five on five, like they did against Boston. I think that they could come out on top. I'd say it'd be a close one. I'd say like three to two, but uh, let's go Red Wings. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Rangers bounce back from their <laughs> recent defeat. They, they win this game four to three, the two defeats they've had earlier this season. They played very well the game following that. So I think something similar can happen here. I think Peter Laviolette's the kind of coach that's going to demand that I'll say the Rangers get a four, three win, a little higher scoring than maybe usual. Um, no Igor and no Adam Fox, so maybe there's a couple more goals each way. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I'm also going to say Blake Wheeler gets his first goal of the season, playing on a new line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Maybe he finally uh, breaks through there, got his first assist uh, the other night. And um, given that the Rangers always get killed by their former players, uh, Matt Zuccarello had two goals and, and scored in the shootout against them in the last game. I'm going to say for sure uh, Andrew Kopp is getting a goal for you guys. <laughs> uh, I'll put that out there right now. I'm down. I'm down. He uh, he had his first goal in a while just in uh, in the Bruins game, so we'll take it. Good for him, man. He wasn't here for long, but uh, he quickly became a favorite of Ranger fans, and it he kind of knew he was going to be leaving, but yeah. you know it, it was it was still a bummer even when it happened. So glad he, yeah, glad it's sure. working out for you guys. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay, so Ranger fans, uh, Red Wing fans, general hockey fans, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And uh, Scotty and Brian will definitely have to do this uh, a little bit later this season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely brother. All right, Thanks thank you guys, as always, for tuning in.